Well, I've said it before, haven't I? And no doubt right now I'm going to say it again. Here it comes. You need a good story for Dark Side of the Ring. You need a story that's got success and then really low times and then sometimes a resurgence, rehabilitation and sometimes not. This one is the second of those two, sadly. But it's a really important story and one that is not often told. And it's about JYD, the junkyard dog, Sylvester Ritter. And I remember seeing JYD and if I remember rightly, knowing about him before I saw him on TV, never saw him in person because of course I'm in the good old UK, but I remember seeing him probably during his last days with the WWF as it was then thinking well he's clearly popular but I don't really understand and since then I've seen him in Mid-South and earlier on in the WWF and understood his popularity and this is a great program and it's a really sad story because what he what he is JYD is a cautionary tale around the rigours of wrestling and the money and the drugs and everyone interviewed here says what a lovely soul he was no one said and he could be horrible no one says that there are some people like Jake who say who said last time I saw him came in he mumbled something did his match left got his money left went and I know why, because I was in that same situation. He just wanted to go and get something from someone else that would help him through the night. But no one says it could be horrible. And there are lots of other Dark Side of the Ring subjects where people say, I'm going to be honest, could be troublesome sometimes. You know, Matt Bourne, the last one, great programme. What happened to Doink the Clown? People were honest about him. He was a wonderful soul, but when he drunk, he wasn't. No one says that about Junkyard Dog. Coco Beware is first. And his phone keeps going off. i got to turn that off. <laughs> but he really makes the point, and uh, it's not laboured here, but he really makes the point that he was one of the first really popular black wrestlers. You know, as he says, it was a it was a sport for white men. And Junkyard Dog couldn't really wrestle. He wasn't really a wrestler. You know, he'd come from a sports background, American football background, but he caught him the Black Hulk Hogan in the South, in Mid-South, under Bill Watts. Brought into the Mid-South by Ernie Ladd and, um, and, of course, Bill Watts. Tony Atlas, his interview, which is great to see him. And they talk about what's saying to, to Junkyard Dog, I want you to do some things really well, like clotheslines, punches. So, you know, he was always meat and potatoes, but that wasn't the point. The point was that he was incredibly popular. And I remember, you know, another one by the dust hitting his, his music for some of the time I saw him. And everybody just, just on their feet amazingly popular and 
it looks like Bill Watts really knew what to do. He needed a nefarious opponent for um, JYD, and he picked Ted DiBiase, and they were close. Plus, JYD was close to um, Bill Watts, which made it much worse when he accepted the offer from Vince McMahon to go to the WWF. You know... And then, I mean, they talk about how awful it must be to, for Jeff, for, for um, Bill Watts. You know, Jim Ross is interviewed saying that Bill was upset. Jake laughs and says, I, I would have loved to have been there to have seen that phone call. And, you know, after JYD went from that territory, they did bring in other black wrestlers like Brickhouse Brown, Butch Reed. I mean, remember as well, there is some comment here about... Uh, one of the reasons why, and he heard the story, but we don't know if it is the case, but one of the reasons why he left the territory was because he heard a racial epithet, shall we say, being attributed, you know, being called a racial epithet. He was um, in a bathroom stall and he heard two people come into the bathroom. Who would be pretty high up in Mid-South, shall we say, and he heard him being referred in a derogatory way. And we don't know about the veracity of that story, but he certainly went to the WWF. And, you know, there's... there's a big hole there. You couldn't fill that hole. So popular. You know, I've seen Mid-South stuff when he's been in there in the crowd. Some of the... some of the. I mean, one of the great stories they tell is um, around the Freebirds coming in and them having... Some cream, some hair removal cream, which gets into the eyes of, of Junkyard Dog. And they do an angle where he's blind and he's wearing the shades and he's wearing the patches over his eyes. And there's one night when he is supposed to be blinded. And he is there to... Um, he's there at ringside when um, the Freebirds are, are fighting. And someone from the crowd apparently... So this Jim Cornette tells his story. It said I heard it, but other people, you know, say it's not the case. But there was somebody in the crowd said, "Don't worry, JYD, I, I'll get him for you." And takes out a gun. Now, what does what does Junkyard Dog do? Does he break kayfabe and say, "Put that gun away," or does he let the does he let the guy shoot the Freebirds? Extraordinary story. Teddy Long's here saying that that. Um, he was that JYD was generous with his not just his money in the community his time as well he really wanted to get into the and, and did great work in the community his nephew uh, Jarvis is there talking about the tough upbringing he had so we do see the background to that and we see a lot about um, his drug use speed well first of all dope you know marijuana then coke and crack and Jake said he would do it every day and he would take that pipe out anywhere Said, uh, he said, you know, at, at one point he was, they were talking and there was a group of wrestlers there. And he just took the pipe out. And, he said, and Jake said, what are you doing? And he just carried on. And eventually there's the story of him um, going to WCW, but being out of shape, really. And a quick decline in a decade going from headlining the Superdome to working a part-time job in Walmart. 
And Tony Atlas says, I understand where he was because I was in that position. I, I didn't, didn't cut my hair or wash for a year. I was sleeping rough. I tried to commit suicide. And it's thought that Junkyard Dog was getting eight to $10,000 a week, but he wasn't careful with his money and needed that money. And the drug habit, of course, doesn't help there. But there is nothing in this program that doesn't say that Junkyard Dog was a wonderful soul. That's actually mentioned. Those words are mentioned. I might be paraphrasing, but it's clear that he was loved. And, of course, he passed... Um, in a car wreck but um, the, the, uh, the, the legacy is of trailblazing for black wrestlers for a, for, a, for a black wrestler to be a superstar in a territory and um, for him being a lovely guy and that's a really good, you know, it's it's not such a crash and burn situation. It clearly is with the drugs and all of that. But it doesn't seem that way because he is so well thought of and so well regarded that it's just a lovely, lovely program with some real sadness attached to it and that visceral story. So well done, Dark Side of the Ring, yet again, and... If you haven't seen the Junkyard Dog um, matches, go to Mid-South on YouTube. Don't go to the WWF. Mid-South is where it's at. That's when he was absolutely on fire. And the crowd just show you exactly how into him they were. He was an extraordinary phenomenon. And, you know, the money was there from Vince. So I suppose you would go, but if he hadn't have gone... Would things have worked out differently? Perhaps. But this is the glory of the story, isn't it? The glory of the story is that you wonder what would have happened next. Great episode. Looking forward to the next. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.